Hi, I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we hear within heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottom. Bottoms up. Hi. How are you guys doing? How's it been? Hey, party people. Oh, the sun's so dead. I'll turn the No. So, <laughs> all right. So it's my birthday weekend and I wasn't going to do anything, but I ended up going to dinner last night and I wasn't drinking alcohol for a few weeks. So last night I had, it was this African restaurant called Abuja and they have this Caribbean rum punch. So I was like, all right, let me get the Caribbean rum punch. And the girl was like, oh, I'm gonna make it special for you because it's your birthday. And let me tell you, it was all rum, no punch. And then my friend had ordered a bottle of Remy Martin for the table. And she was like, oh, shots, take shots, it's your birthday. So needless to say, after that, I was done and literally so done that when I, I barely made it home somehow and I apparently threw up. Ooh. I know I was messy drunk last night and I Ooh. threw up. So I'm just kind of like recovering. My poor body is like recovering from that. So that is why my son. So Lord, and you have you been up to any Malfi songs with Prosperity Bay? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm in San Diego right now. And if I sound tired, it's because it is like just morning. So I haven't fully gotten up yet, but I could live here. They have great weather. And I was saying to some friends the other day that it feels like the uptown parts of Jamaica, which is really interesting. But as far as Prosperity Bay is concerned, it's really strange. So this is the first time we've been away from each other so long. And it's just like weird. And I didn't anticipate that I would feel this attached. What's going on with you? Oh my gosh, nothing important. Exciting in my life. Not trying to flip over my week. I mean, nothing amazing to report or nothing. It's been a very banal week. Lots of work, lots of stress related to work. But got over one of my bigger responsibilities at the start of the year. So I'm hoping going forward it will be smooth sailing. Um, I'm already a plan out my carnival experience. One of the capacity I come up in it next week when I want to just go and shake up my body a little bit because I don't think I'm going to want to dance. So yeah, I just really that. Nothing, nothing big yet though. So wait, question. Have you played mass before? No, actually. This is going to be time jumping. Oh, but, I can't imagine. Yeah. You're going to let your body, see? Well, well nothing here. Carnival, me did, me did jump, so there's that. But that kind of different. Me think it comes. I did buy a costume, so. And the same thing. Oh, yeah. Without further ado, we're going to in- introduce the topic and our guest. So, we want to finally center the experiences of our trans sisters and brothers, because we brought them up a lot throughout the course of this podcast. But we decided that we weren't going to do have that discussion without having a trans person here. And I'm really excited, excited that the person that we have here, and only wonderful Tiana Miller, who is an activist and advocate in her own right. She did amazing things while she was living here in Jamaica. And I always say to people, people like Tiana walk so I could run. So I'm glad that we get, we have her here to talk with us about her experience, trans identity, being a trans woman in the Jamaican diaspora, and all of that lovely stuff. So, Tiana, welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast. Woo! He- Hello, guys. <laughs> Hi, everyone. 
Hello. I'm I'm super excited. Thank you so much, you know, for inviting me to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to share. I'm shedding some light on my transgender um, journey and just to give a brief overview of how it has been living in Jamaica and where I'm at with my life right now, being that I'm residing in the U.S. Thank you so much for agreeing with within such short notice too. By all means, you know that once it's, if, if anything happens, happens to you with activism, I'm always at a call, I'm one call away. Now, <laughs> Cornell, you can start us off. You were interested um, in kind of talking about the use of the terms and the ones that um, Tiana has used in the past. So kick us off. Sure. So I guess uh, one thing I was thinking about was how did you come to or come into your identity as a trans woman. So just to give a bit of context, one of the things that we've talked about on previous episodes is that, you know, growing up, we knew that there was there was a sense of difference. But uh, in Jamaica at the time, there wasn't this sense of gayness as a kind of word or term that was like actively used. So I was just curious as to how you came to the term like trans or trans woman um, as a way to understand who you are as a person? Okay, so what happened was that I knew that I was different, you know, always felt like a female, but in Jamaica, in my time, you know, I'm not that old, but in my time, I didn't really know, understood what exactly it was, you know, there wasn't enough transgenders out there to say, oh, you know, this is what it is. So I I started um, going to parties and stuff, and I would see... um, at that time, you know, we would call them drag queens and cross-dressers. And I said, oh, well, maybe I fit somewhere here, you know, because living in Jamaica, my day-to-day life would be, you know, dressing as a boy. Then, you know, my party life would be, you know, dressing up as a girl. And so I, I, at that time, I identified myself as a cross-dresser. And I started going to these peer education workshops with J-Flag, with the jazz with Red Cross and you know they started educating us some more on you know the whole transgender thing and the, you know because it's a, it's a it's a big umbrella you have a lot of groups that fall under it so you know that's when we started actually knowing where you know you would fit in and so I had to do a lot of research a lot of self-analysis within myself because as I said you know Jamaica is a very homophobic country you know they're not so educated for transgenders are concerned so for you to say let me go ask somebody on the street you will never get the education that you need you know you have to do you have to go to these um, organizations or you have to meet up with allies who can say you know this is what it is I can tell you who you are as a person but I can tell you I can give you information about the whole transgenderism the, the groups, the subgroups that's um, a part of it and all that stuff. And so I think I had to kind of educate myself and do some research on my own. And, you know, I realized that it's not that I was different. It was just that I was just born in the wrong body. And there are people like, there were people before me like this, and there's still going to be people after me that can say the same thing about themselves. Okay, okay great. Thank you. So I'm also wondering then so having come to this idea of the you know, trans identity or the the trans experience what was that kind of shift like in terms of becoming tiana like the the woman that you are now now that you've, you've had the kind of like vocabulary and the information and the resources how did you 
navigate that pretty clearly within a context or within an environment like It came with a lot because I, first of all, I lost a lot of people who I thought were my friends. Even, you know, people who identify themselves as um, a gay male or a, a lesbian female, they never understood what it was they thought that I was just being a little too bold out there with myself, you know, because I was still trying to figure out what exactly it was that was so different about me. And I just, you know, having to accept yourself for who you are as a person and tapping into your inner, your truth. Basically, after researching and educating and Finding and accepting my, you know, myself and who I was, everything just felt normal. It was just like, you know, me living my truth and being honest with myself. And I don't, I don't think that it was so much of a difficult task for me after accepting who I was. I mean, I lost a lot of friends, but eventually I gained some great friends. In a sense, I'm using my influence because a lot of people were influ- influential in my, um, in my journey, whether from meeting them at parties or just, you know, meeting them online through social media. They actually influenced my journey because they kept telling me, you know, keep being yourself, you know, keep just living your truth. Yeah, so Tiana, um, you said you lost some friends and I was just wondering if some of those friends were persons in the LGBT community, gay men you might have been, gay bisexual men you might have been hanging around. Was that the case? Yes. It was bisexual men and heterosexual men. Bisexual because I was too, as I said, I was too out there, I was too bold. I didn't feel like I had needed to live in a closet or live in like this cubicle. So I just was like, you know, this is who I am and I have to live my truth, be honest with myself. I'm not gonna, regardless of how, you know, homophobic Jamaica is and, the limitations that they try to put on you, I just never lived with those limitations. So a lot of my friends is like, we can't handle this no more. Everybody's starting to know you, and by everybody knowing you, if I talk to you, if I walk with you, then people are going to know me too. And, you know, it's like, it was just so much of fear for their lives. So that's how, those, that's how I lost my friends. Yeah. Well, how did you move from that? So, Tiana understanding herself as Tiana, the trans woman, to becoming Tiana, the activist that's on all angles and in the media talking about who she is. What was that journey like? Up to this day, sometimes I still ask myself, how did you do those things? What made you do them? You know, what made you so vocal about your life, your experiences? Let me tell you, seriously speaking, I don't know how it was even possible for me to do some of the things that I did. I just woke up and I just just living, living my life in the motion. So if today I was called upon to say to speak about this and speak. I was always being honest and I was always so vulnerable with things. So it just felt normal. Basically just being controlled by what do I say? I don't want to sound superstitious or crazy, but being controlled by the higher power. Oh. Right. I was reading an article where you brought up spirituality and so on. And then you just mentioned, you know, being controlled by the higher power. I would love, as somebody who myself is very spiritual, I would love if you could just, you know, say more about 
about that and how you came to reconcile your identity with with your spirituality. And I'm asking because one, we did an, a whole episode about that. But two, I always take interest in people's journey, especially people who live this particular experience, the, LG, the queer experience, the LGBTQ experience. Because as somebody who grew up in the church, you hear now narratives about how you're wrong and the life that you're living is not ordained by God and all these other narratives that get thrown at you in an effort to kind of discourage you or dissuade you from the life that you're living. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what that journey was like for you. Okay, so I grew up with a religious background. Like I used to go to church Sunday school, then you know, start a Sunday service after. Um, I was on the choir. I did. I think I even preached a couple of times with children's um fun, youth youth Sunday or, or children's Sunday. So I grew up very religious, and up to this day, I'm still religious in the sense where I still believe in God. You know, I used to cry all the time and be like. God, change me. Something is wrong with me. Change me. I would go to crusade and the pastor would be like, oh, you know, come to the altar if you need prayer, this and that. And I would go there and I would confess and be like, God, um, if this is not right, you know, change me. And as soon as I left the services, um, not that I was having sex, I was sexually active or whatever. I just had I would, I just loved and was attracted to who I was attracted to. And I had to tell myself, you know what, if I'm doing something that is wrong, then God will eventually fix it. And I fast, I prayed, and this is just who I am up to this day. So I believe that God makes no mistake. And people tend to, they're so judgmental sometimes for stuck in their self that, you know, people have their own interpretations and their own beliefs about certain things. You know, I might tell you a story and you might interpret it in a different way and you might tell the story to someone else in a different way. And, you know, people talk about all this time, oh, you know, the Bible says this and this and that and it's wrong and all the kind of stuff. But I believe that nobody can judge me but God. And if and when, if I'm somehow just everything that I'm doing is wrong and this is not what God wants for me, then he will fix it when it's time because, you know, God is always on time. And so, as I said, when I said I'm controlled by the um, my higher being, you know, my spiritual being, which is God, that's what, that's what I mean. So I have a bit of a question. So you were saying earlier when you were coming into yourself as Tiana, you lost a few friends and you were just talking about some of your experiences, you know, around the question of spirituality. And I'm wondering how has your idea of community changed or how has the kind of networks that you've been in changed not only um, through becoming Tiana, but perhaps by engaging in the kind of political work that you've done or perhaps even by moving and, and, and so on. So have you been able to find communities of queer and or trans folks that support you and um, affirm you in your kind of like day-to-day life? Yes. So actually I'm in this group. It's more so like, it's not really a podcast, but it's like a show and with for my girls. The show is called The Modern Mrs. and it's for trans females. We all, um, you know, we all support each other. And in addition to that, you know, where I go to get my hormones and stuff. There are actually sessions, um, group, group therapy there. There are sessions there that, you know, other trans female like myself, every, everybody just there as, um, a group of, as a group of people, you know, sharing stories, uplifting each other and all that stuff. So I actually have the good support system now. With, if it's not my girls, it's where I go, um, my primary care, my primary health care. 
even to my friends that I had in college, you know, they were always supportive. They understood me for who I was. They never judged me. They were so, they were, they were more so fascinated. So they would ask a lot of questions. They would try to understand because they wanted to make sure that they they weren't offending any other trans female out there, any other um LGBT person. Because we're all family regardless of whatever. However, we want to add in ourselves. If we're lesbians or bisexuals or gays, we know we're all families. So they wanted to make sure they wouldn't ask weird questions to offend anyone. And it's like educating themselves. So I, I think at this point, I have a great support system. Mm-hmm. I have this, 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 like, never been better. And I have people up to this day that tell me my, my perception of trans people were different. And then, you know, I take the time out and I, because I'm so always ready to talk. That you can literally come and ask me questions. And I, I, I always um analyze, is this person being funny or this person genuinely wants to know you know, um, answers to some questions that they have? And, you know, it's more about educating people and just being open to share your story with someone. Because you never know. Sometimes we think that we, we are going through the most. But somebody over there could be smiling. But you actually going over there to them and sharing your own story with them is support for support. So it's the support system in the U.S. where I'm at right now, so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're talking about finding support where you are. And, and we talked about in previous episodes how being visible, being out, especially being an activist, how that may negatively affect your personal relationships. I was wondering, romantically, how has it been for you as a visible trans woman finding love? <laughs> oh my god that is the most fun. you know that's the funniest question i've heard all day because it's so crazy the guys i date sometimes get so possessive over me and one thing that i have i get into debates all the time with my friends and with other people because they never seem to understand the fear behind their madness because if i'm walking and somebody comes up to me and they want to talk to me and stuff. I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, I'm trans. No, I introduce myself and we talk. And somewhere along the line, if it's going to get to that place, then at that time, I will say, you know what? I'm a trans female, but I don't just run tell somebody, um, oh, I'm trans. No, I'm Tiana, and you need to get to know Tiana for Tiana. Because they, they're not trans, but then he's the first trans that they have gone intimate with. But at this point, right now, I'm single because, you know, I think I need to take a break from relationships. But my love life has always been good. I never really had somebody who, after they found that I was trans, they would just not run to talk to me. Well, that's really great to hear because like that process that you talk about, Janet Mark talks about it in her book, Redefining Realness, that a lot of trans women don't just leave it that because they're who they are as people. Of course, as you said, is way more than just their trans identity. And so they allow people to know them before they kind of share aspects of themselves. And so I'm really, it's really great to hear that you've been able to find um, love and, and be open about who you are in the fullest way and still receive that love notwithstanding. Just um, just for my own curiosity, was that also a reality of yours in Jamaica as well? Absolutely. That was, it's been like that since forever. Funny thing is my first boyfriend, we dated in high school. We dated from third form to sixth form. He actually made me know what a relationship was like. And at that time I was a boy, of course. He made me realize that, listen, you can be in love with whoever you want to be in love with. Because I didn't understand. And up to this day, from what I've known, 
I don't think he's actually ever spoken to anybody of mankind, you know, up until this week. Because now, um, now he's a married man, um, you know, with kids and stuff. And he would be so homophobic to other people. And I couldn't understand. That's usually always the case with my, my partner, though. Like, they would come into the relationship and be like, okay, you know, I like you for you and whatever. But, you know, other people, I can't understand. And I'd be like, listen, regardless of how you feel about me, you have to be realistic with yourself and know that, listen, these people are, they're my family too. Because I'm in the same community with them. So if you are going to say you love me for me, you accept me for me, I'm not telling you to go be friends with everybody, but you have to respect them because you're in a relationship with somebody who is from the same community. And if you respect me, you have to respect everybody else. In Jamaica, I always tell people that Jamaica is full of hypocrites because I used to date the same kind of people that I date in the U.S. I used to date those same kind of people in Jamaica. And it's always been like that. A guy would always would normally see me and, you know, thinking that I'm a born female. After having conversations, you know, I would tell them and it would just be the, be the same. They would be so fascinated and so interested. They want to know what is what. Especially that I have this voice. Like, oh my God, you have this voice, you know, you have this natural female body. Like, what? They would just be so fascinated. And I'm a good talker. So I can know how, I know how to talk right into your brain. <laughs> yes, I'm, listen, this is raw and untaught. And it's just a little bit. I will talk into your brain and you will just get up and be like, oh, shit. I think I like her. So let's shift gears a little. Um, in terms of, so we're going a little bit back to the activism bits. Because I know like in the party scene in Jamaica, because now we all go to soccer parties and, and have a great time. But I know it was your work or your your presence and re- your refusal to be kept outside that made that possible today. So you want to kind of share some of that with the listeners, how you and your group of friends were able to make those spaces more open and accepting? Okay, so I'm, I've always been a fan of Basketball Fridays. And I would normally go there and party and have fun. But I remember one Friday night, I went and, you know, I was around, you know, other members of the community. I think there were mostly gay, gay men there. And, you know, they were dancing, traveling over themselves. I'm a dancer, so I'm always dancing too. But that night, particularly, I was not dancing. And, you know, the guys were dancing and so forth. And the bouncer came over and they were, like, so mean to them. They was like, come you guys have to leave and whatever. I was like, what is happening? And so, you know, I was there, no, you cannot do that. I started, you know, being rebellious and saying, that's not fair. You know, you can't just let somebody have to leave because they're enjoying themselves. And it escalated real quick that it got very physical with, you know, my friends and the bouncers in that even there was bloodshed and all that stuff. And we said, you know what? In Jamaica, it's so weird that because, you know, you're supposed to have a criminal justice system, but the criminal justice system does not work. So even after getting so crazy, you know, physical occupation and all that, the police wasn't even threatened. So you know what we we did? We got into the car, we went home. The next Friday now, it was like, you know, because in Jamaica, you're in survival mood all the time and you, you learn to actually forget about things. So we literally forgot about that. We went the following Friday. And right at the door, at the entrance, all my friends were accepted. They, they were admitted to go in except myself. So I was like, what? And I was like, this can't be real. This can't be serious. It was so bad that people started walking out because it was like, uh-uh, this, like, this, 
girl, she comes there, she behaves herself. But what's happening, people um, started walking out who were actually going at the same time as myself. Um, it had gotten where they were videoing, and I was so surprised that somebody had reached out to the greener and the Sunday greener. It was actually a whole story there, and people were so upset. And I read with the fact that they would tell me that I'm not able to come in. And it was such a big thing that, you know, they reached out to me. They apologized. They wanted to give me season ban. And it was never that that was not the case. You know, she was never denied entry, all that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, it was just like, you know what, shit rocks. Like, Y'all know what you did. You're just mad. You just went clean up your act, mom, and say, you know what, because you guys know that you're going to look bad on you guys. But listen. I, I, I don't, um, when I, my actions sometimes, or when I do something, I don't necessarily do it sometimes for myself, because you might not get the result that you need at the same time, but, you know, like you, like you said before you were asking me about the experience, that today, maybe transgenders won't be refused to go into, to enter back and all. Um, right, and so, if, 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 if um, would, would I say I regret them turning me back? No, because at this point now, you know, I can actually see that, you know, I might have never gotten what I wanted at that time, but now I can smile and say, well, because of, you know, my friends and I, whatever we endured, whatever we went through during that season, that back in our season, you know, people can be able to go and enjoy themselves now without being judged, being discriminated. I mean, of course, you might have some idiots who, might want to see things, but the majority, no, you know, it is what it is. Let these people enjoy themselves. So, as I said, I'm happy now that, you know, people can just go and enjoy themselves. So I feel pleased, my son, where that I'm saying this, but I feel pleased that I was turned back and I was looking to entry because now people like myself can go there and have a good time. Awesome. Um, since we're talking a little bit about the your kind of activist work. I was, I saw, or I rewatched the We Are Jamaicans video that you were a part of a few years ago. And I'm wondering if you'd be able to say a bit about um, what that kind of moment or campaign meant for you in terms of promoting queer and trans visibility within the Jamaican context. But I also want to think about the fact, so I think there's a section where you were talking about, you know, you were proud of being Jamaican and you were invested in the welfare of Jamaican society in a, in a, you know, in a particular way. And you were invested in um, doing your part in terms of advancing Jamaican society. And, and I guess I'm just also wondering if you could speak as well about what your relationship is to Jamaica now um, looks like since that campaign has, has passed and since a, few, a couple of years have passed. So just to put this out there, I hate the video. I don't hate the message behind the video, but I hate the video because, you know, the camera was just not for me that day. I was looking a hot mess. And so people didn't actually, they never listened to the message. They were mostly looking at, you know, the image in front of them, whatever, you know, the visual, the visuals. They weren't actually listening to the message behind everything and so if i could you know redo the video i would be happy to redo the video but at that time i was on i was on full force my full force activism like yes we need to do this we're going to rally for this and this is going to happen and this is going to happen so i was so 
my zeals at that time was like at 100 and um that campaign was more so about people different people from different walks of life you had um allies you had gays lesbians and i was the trans i think it was yeah i was the, i think it was the only trans no i was it was two of us me whitney and myself and it was just more so sharing our stories what exactly we wanted the Jamaican culture, the Jamaican people to see um, what we wanted from them as tra- as a um, as a trans woman, what I wanted. And in the video, I made mention of um, I want respect because you know, oftentimes we keep, we we teach our children, we teach you know, we teach our kids that you must respect people. But respect is a two way thing, and in order for 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 you to get respect, you have to give respect. In order to give respect, you have to get respect also. So I was more so rallying for the respect aspect, respect part of it that you might not a- actually agree with the life, or if you want to call it a lifestyle, you might not agree with it, but respect me enough to say that, you know, you won't see me walking and you know, throw stone at me because it's not a part of your culture. So that's what I really wanted. That was my um, story behind it. And my relationship now with Jamaica it's a um, mixed relationship. Sometimes I cannot stand it. And then sometimes I'm like, oh my God, you know, Jamaica is such a beautiful place. The people are now changing. The people are now being more accepting. But the part of Jamaica that they oftentimes show is like, Jamaica is um, Kingston. People in Kingston, because it's more commercial, they are more tolerant to certain things. The people in the other parishes like St. James, Trelawney, St. Mary, those things, they are not so tolerant at all. They will see you and if you're so effeminate, they will like do you crazy. So that's the mixed feeling that I have is just like, oh my God, when will people just start accepting or people, when you start respecting people to say, I'm not going to hurt this person because they are different. Being different is okay. Being different is fine. You know, you don't have to be, and I, I tell people all the time, you know, the fear of pe- the fear of being different is so crazy. It's just like poison. Because I might not like somebody because I'm fearful, and then I might tell you, I, I tell you what, I tell you something, or I go in your brain, and then you start not liking the person too because it's just the fear. It's poison. So I poison your mind, and that's what the Jamaican culture do. That's what Jama- most Jamaicans do. And the lack of education, you know, so. It's just a mixed relationship at this point. I still will always, you know, talk about how hypocritical they are because what goes for the goose don't always go for the gander. You have people that, people, I think nowadays people are so much tolerant of lesbians and it's so wrong that you're sleeping with the same sex, but you're tolerant of lesbians, but you will not be tolerant of the gay man because it's so disgusting and distasteful and nasty to you. So I have a mixed relationship with Jamaica now. Sometimes I can stand them, sometimes I, well, the nation, sometimes I can stand the nation, sometimes I cannot stand the nation. So I think you're, you're in the U.S. right now, is that correct? Yes, I'm in the U.S. right now. Okay, and have you experienced, you know, any kinds of difficulty living your life in, in that sense or has it been generally favorable? It's favorable, but not to take away from the fact that you still have, pardon my language, you still have assholes here. You still have, you have, you, you still, you have Jamaicans who come here. 
and they think this is Jamaica, and they think they want to run the country, they want to run wherever they are as if it's Jamaica. So you still have not even Jamaicans, just mostly you have um Caribbean people. You have people from you have all different kind of people who who are assholes, and you know they try to be disrespectful sometimes. Not ne- not necessarily to myself. But, you know, you're disrespecting the community. Of course, you're disrespecting me. Maybe not personally, but you're disrespecting me as well. We still have assholes. But more so, you know, everything here is more so favorable. As people know that, you know, you'll get in serious trouble. You'll be reprimanded if you do certain things. Hate crime is so serious here that you do certain things, you are going to get in trouble. So people think twice. Understood. So... And this is, I think this is my last question on this, but more like forward thinking. I was wondering, now that you've seen like some of what is happening locally in terms of the advocacy, but also that there's much, there are more visible trans persons and there's a trans-specific organization in the form of TransWave Jamaica now. What are you thinking about trans advocacy now, assuming you've seen it? Yes, I've seen it. Because I'm very active. I feel very much active, you know, with the big Jamaican organizations because, you know, they help to shape me to know when I am today. So it's only right that I feel to be active with them. I'm so proud. I must say I'm so proud. Whenever I go on Facebook or I go on Instagram and I see a post, I smile and I say, wow. I'm looking, looking from the outside, looking in, and I say I have to commend these people on their bravery because... Now that I'm not in Jamaica, I can see how, you know, crazy Jamaica is. And so for people to put their lives at risk, um, I think Imani, um, Ashley, Chimo, you know, there are thousands of um, others. There's several other trans people there, but, you know, those trans, the um, Paris also, they share their lives, they share their stories. Every day they they put themselves out there. They're so vulnerable, and you know they're bravery. I commend them because I used to, because I was working with Jeff Live and, and 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 Jazz. I know what goes on on the inside, and oftentimes you know people would be like, they are not doing enough for the Jamaican trans community, and Transwave is now you know they've now formed Transwave, which is super good because this um I think this organization only. Um, takers for um, the trans community, so that's super good. But they would always they would always say before, oh, they don't care about us. They take the money. They do whatever they want to do. But that's never that's never been the case. You know, they've always they just don't have enough resources. And so for people to be putting their, themselves out there now, I commend it. It's um touching. Every time I look, as I said, you know, I feel so proud. And I feel so selfless in the sense that I'm, I don't I don't take um credit for whatever work I did while I was there because Jamaica still needs a lot of um help in terms of getting to that place where trans people can feel okay and feel safe. So for them to still be doing that, and now they're so more, they're more vocal about it. Because maybe back in my time, it was me. Ashley was still there, so it was just that me, Ashley, and Candy, um, Macy, a few people. But now everybody is ready, and they're doing their thing. I'm so I'm super proud of it. I'm just happy, and I have to commend you know the organizations and the allies that still help that help these people to live their lives and help them to find a voice. They're doing a good job. 
then they should just continue the work. Okay. I will personally let them know because where, where I'm recording from, um, Paris is here, Kim is here. I'm not sure if Iman is here right now. She's probably out at Art Walk or something, but I will definitely deliver your message to them personally. Okay. Yes. And, and to, to, the, to, to the whole, um, you know, to the, everybody who works with these organizations, not even if you work in the organization, if, you, if you're out there as a Jamaican trans, Jamaican um, gay man, lesbian, or bisexual, I commend you all for living your lives and being honest. I understand that sometimes people aren't necessarily vocal and brave enough but if you accept yourself and you're being truthful and honest to yourself i commend you you know some people are not brave so you know naturally they're gonna live their lives in fear but listen i just have to commend you for living your life period and not you know committing suicide or none of that stuff so just send my love to everyone I absolutely will. Thank you so much on behalf of myself. So, Tiana, one, I've always, I can't say always because I don't come to New York that often, but the few times that I've been there, I've seen you. And if I might say to myself, ma'am, you are always (laughs) a fashion quote. Like you're always serving, you're always giving life, you're always snatching edges, you're always. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so I just, and I'm sure a lot of people want to know too, but you know, what influences Tiana? When Tiana's getting dressed to, you know, serve a moment, a look, like, I guess, who are your inspirations? Like, where did you draw inspiration from? I just saw you working the runway the other day. Yeah. So like, who, how would you describe your own, your own sense of style? And how did you arrive at that? Okay, so I'm very, very artistic, and I admire art in general. So I might see, and I, 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 let, let me tell you what I do. I mean, letting you in on a little secret of mine. The way how I admire people so much, I might see, um, like, for instance, Naomi Campbell, Tara Banks. I would sit and I'd see how they walk, how they serve, and I'd be like, I'm going to do this, but I add my own flair to it. So sometimes you might see me, um, you know, dressed up and, and, and so forth. People around me inspire me, you know, and I might say, Ashley Simpson is going to inspire me today. And I look and say, well, I like that look with Ashley as, but let me add a little piano flair to it. And you know, my little flair plus the Ashley Simpson thing just makes it, you know, I, I'm, I'm just always just so artistic. But I just made, and I, I'm, I'm, here's the thing that you have to have. You have to have confidence. That's very, very important. So I can literally put on a, um, a garbage bag and just the confidence that I'm going to bring with it is just going to, it's going to be likable. So just, I think confidence is just, that's just whatever. That's my secret, being super confident sometimes I'm overconfident that my overconfidence is just like oh my god she can never do anything wrong <laughs> and it, it could be wrong but I'm just so confident that you have to like it so <laughs> confidence is just what it is being artistic and confident that's what it is and thank you so much you know for telling me that I'm always looking good thank no you, you are honestly like I think the last time I saw you I know it was like some point last year at 
this party in Brooklyn. I forgot who the um, the organizers were. But it was essentially like the setting was like in the backyard, like under this shit. I know Mike was there. I know Just Posh was there. I know like... I thought he was dancing. I was dancing, right? No, trust me. You walked in and it's like the party stopped. It was like mother has arrived. And I was like, <laughs> like, oh oh. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, I came over and I was like, Hey, he was like, Hey, sweetie. I was like, yeah, yeah Tiana. <laughs> <laughs> and I know like my friend, my niece was obsessed with you from like Jamaica. There's you and um, London and um, Candy. I don't know if you remember Janelle, Janelle Earl. She goes by so many names right now, but, yeah, she would, like, my first introduction to you guys was through her because she would be where you guys were. And, Aww. like, I would be beside her in the bed. Y'all be FaceTiming or whatever it was at that point. But, yeah, so I've been close, but not close as I am now to be able to, like, yeah, she was, you know, I got to speak to her on Fish Tea. Yes. <laughs> so thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'm just going to remember this. I'm going to put this in my little memory box that, you know, I'm always serving, so I'm going to just continue to serve. Right. Even yeah. now, because, you know, people are looking up to me, and I'm inspiring people, so let me just serve the right way. Yes. Um, Tiana, um, you want to tell us, although I want to ask you about what's your favorite article of clothing um, and why, but also, because I did see a snippet of one, that program that you were talking about where the girls were sitting together and discussing topical issues, and I, um, you want to kind of, here with our listeners where to kind of see more of it if you're interested okay so i'm going to tell you more. i'm going to talk about the um the girls first and i'll talk about my favorite um clothing article of clothing so the girls you know as you said we discussed topical issues um four girls four different personalities fun loving crazy argumentative all that stuff we discussed um whether it's pop culture fashion whatever is going on we discuss and you know there's nothing that's off limit um we make ourselves so vulnerable too because trust me you know putting yourself out there is going to make you so visible so vulnerable to people chastising you you know you have these blogs because you have a lot of blogs just you make them blogs and they drag you so we we have to learn to have tough skin which we all have in this group we go back to be a model missus. Um, our Instagram is we, at We Are Model Misses. We have the show on every Wednesday night, but we're on a break now. I think season two starts March 11th. I think it's actually an interesting program. You guys could um, actually be um, on it one day. I mean, you can video call. Because, you know, we have um, the segment that we get, um, have our viewers calling and stuff. But it's an interesting program. As I said, we talk about topical issues. Jamaican, American, anything that's actually out there, pop culture, issues, all that stuff. And my favorite article of clothing would probably be, still so weird, but it would probably be my song. I love songs. I <laughs> the really little panties I have. I did not see that coming. Yes, you better. <laughs> I, I, no, listen, that's, that's my favorite because I just think, it, 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 it makes you feel so much more of a woman, so just sexy, just like everything. So I love songs. That's my favorite. If I'm going out and I don't have my song, I'm just not going out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Now I'm rethinking my favorite clothing. <laughs> <laughs> listen, it might not have to be a shirt or anything, but listen, my favorite thing is my songs. And I wear my songs all the time. It's my favorite. But look at me over here, compliment your sense of style and a favorite clothes. And even that's a favorite of your thong or your favorite. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yes. I bet you really didn't see that one coming. Girl. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a question, but I would just love um, if Tiana could just share. And she did a bit of this before, but just kind of like, she, you know, any like final words, any um, last thoughts as it relates to how we approach the members of the trans community, what we can do to support, not just in Jamaica, but here as well. And what people like myself, because I'm very much interested in LGBTQ advocacy and I'm looking to like, you know, re-engage with the, because I know I've heard about the Caribbean Equality Project, but I haven't really engaged them just yet. But those kind of organizations for people who, like myself, who are living in the diaspora, who want to engage specifically with, you know, our Caribbean queer brothers and sisters. Like you said, people who, uh, let me start with the people who live in the, um, in the U.S. Just mm-hmm. research and find out about these organizations. You know, mm-hmm. take a time of your busy schedule one day and just, you know, have a walk, have a walk in whatever you want, however you want to get there. And just also get some information, go volunteer your time, try to get involved. You don't necessarily have to be um, a part of the community per se, but it has to be an ally. You know, we're we're, uh, rallying for equality and all that stuff. Just like how people, we talk about the whole racism sometimes, everybody, let's go um, with the whole um, racism. We're going to go rally for um, black, be pro-black. You know, we can do the same thing, you know, just as human beings. It's it's more about people being human beings. And as for Jamaica, you know, take the time out to understand why 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 this person is different. Don't judge them because, you know, they're different. Try to understand why they're different. I think psychology is very much important. You know, that's a very important, um, that should be mandatory in schools that people are supposed to learn psychology. It should be on, on, um, on, the, on you know, one of the, the roster. But my final words or my final thoughts, you know, for this show, so you guys just to continue to be yourselves, continue to engage your audiences, continue to share stories, express your views, your thoughts, you know, never stop, keep shining, you know, keep winning. You might not, you know, you might think, you might think you're not reaching out to enough people, but trust me, people are listening, people are viewing, and, you know, just continue to share your stories, express yourselves, and live your truth. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Your, um, your work right now, we appreciate it. And you might take that off on that little show. You look, it looks nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Except when I did in person, come on, come sit up on a nice fur coach. I'm a so nice. Anytime you're here in New York, you just let me know. We will definitely love to invite you. Because we want to hear what you have to share with us. And I'm sure you have your own stories and you have things that you would love to share 
with the public, with us, you know, we sit, we talk, we support each other. That's what we do. Awesome. So, thank you listeners for listening to this very riveting conversation. It has been an amazing one, especially for me. I reap the benefits of the work of people like Yana. So, remember to follow us on all social. It's at Fish Tea Podcast on again, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram, Facebook. Email us at fishtpodcast at gmail.com with all your comments, thoughts, and reviews. Also, people, just a reminder, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and we have our hosting site as well with all other links. Now, I say all of this because the next episode is 21 questions with our lovely Cornell here. So, <laughs> so <laughs> so send in all of your wonderful and juicy and saucy questions. Carnell will be delighted to answer. And if he's not, mega fight him. So, <laughs> yes. So thank you. Thank you. And stay sophisticated. Bye.